everyone, and welcome to Right Wing Dharma Squads. I've, I've actually lost track of the episode number. I should have made sure I knew that ahead of time. I think we're on eight. Eight. Now, yeah, which is great. I'm having a great time. Um, I am your host, Dharma Kirti, joined with some friends of mine and a new friend. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself first? Hey, it's Helios. Helios is a uh, former former streaming partner of mine on NPC and the Soak, a short-lived show we did. Where we talked about today's topic quite a bit. That, yeah, do you have a? Yeah, could you have like a link or something? Can we put that in the, in the uh, show notes or somewhere? Or, or um... yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 give you a link for that. Fantastic. It's my YouTube channel, okay. uh, which is Helios and Hell. If you just look up Helios NPC or Helios and Hell, it should pull M- it up. NPC like my posting career or what? What? N like N. Night Poster Century. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, we streamed a lot. We got to like 30 episodes, but I mean, we just don't do it very much anymore. Sure. And then uh, our other two regular guests, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hey, it's uh, Aura here. And I'm Kagyu. And I say guest, but that's not fair. We're all, I feel like we're all this. I mean, this is very much a joint endeavor. And uh, I guess we're, we're, a, we're a panel. Yeah, exactly. Panel and uh, or, uh, the, if you haven't listened to it yet, I wasn't able to um, come on last week where um, they had a very interesting, just wide-ranging, free-flowing discussion. I think it was, it was very, very interesting, and, and definitely check that out if you, if you, for some reason, haven't. But um, this week we have, I think it's, it's an interesting topic. I think it's a very important topic. It's a very <laughs> topical topic. Um, it's something that a lot of people, you know, people have been talking about demons, and it's true. It, it, it's um it's been very um how to say it, it revealing i guess that 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 we're all kind of um you know whatever you want to call this thing the dissident right or, or i don't even know what exactly it doesn't really matter um the the overlapping um circles of discourse that we're all engaged with primarily on, on twitter have in in recent weeks and months uh, but really especially i think in recent weeks with um in particular this fight that's happening at the legislative level over abortion, there's been more and more of a recognition that, um, or, or a kind of at, at the very least a rhetorical um, uh, designation of uh, the elements we're up against as demons and, and calling out, you know, when, when these, um, when, when people are talking about, you know, there was one horrific thing I saw. It was, it was a, it was an ectopic pregnancy um, or I guess you can't call it a pregnancy because it wasn't implanted properly, but whatever. It was basically a, a what would have been a feed, a proper, you know, a nine-week-old fetus. Uh, and people were saying, well, look, okay, this is a, um, this is a nine-week-old fetus. Clutch, it's not, yeah, I mean, they, they, exactly. And they were saying like, oh, I'm just going to, someone was saying like, oh, I would just stomp on it and smash it with my boot and be happy about it and laugh about it. They were yeah. talking about eating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, multiple I people. I see e-girls and they're like, Ooh, a cute little gummy bear. Yum, oh, yum, God. Yum, oh, yum. my like, eh, Right. So then, <laughs> exactly. But then, so then that's the thing is like, okay, so well, clearly now, I mean, I, I think for some people, it's kind of like a rhetorical shorthand. For some people, it may be a certain kind of, um, I don't know if joke is right, but it's sort of, uh, I don't know how literally, I guess, people necessarily mean that. I mean that literally. I think some some of these people are actual demons that are like saying things online I think some of it is like literal possession. I think some of it is maybe metaphorical to some extent. 
And these are all kinds of different ways of thinking about demons, which I, I'm sure we'll, you know, we, we should get into. Um, actually, yeah, well, maybe with that, I'll just see the floor for a second. Why don't you all you know, say something? Well, uh, demons, I mean, I think it does have that, like, dualistic approach. There's definitely a part where demonic activity is just, like, the darkest, most bestial parts of human nature showing themselves as, like, you know, remorseless women killing kids or, you know like murdering a bunch of people or just, you know, embracing uh, base desires and not trying to, you know, use your mind to elevate your spirit like you should be and just following like that demonic intent inside of you. But then I also think that there are real entities that are extremely powerful and knowledgeable that exist outside of this dimension and use their power to control ours a lot. Okay, so I have a quote um, from a friend of ours who I guess you would call an accomplished wizard or occultist or something like that. A uh, Maybe he's a person who has what, uh, right. a, yeah, a fair amount of uh, clairvoyant abilities. I'm going to read this quote because it's, it's relevant to what you just said. So I asked him, we're doing a show talking about demons. Would you like to make a statement? And he said, protection, such as invoking your deity of choice, including Buddha, Jesus Christ, and so on, are effective in navigating your way out of a lot of bad places in the astral plane. But for encountering demons, you need to be able to harden and seal your aura and or get a crystal that assists with this by speeding up the vibration of your aura or forming a barrier of white, purple, or other light around it. 99% of what you run into as a mechanical has a mechanical parasitic intelligence and doesn't require the same precautions as the 1% of phenomena. And I'll add, when he, when he says the 1% of phenomena, that's when he's talking about the things that have their own complex intelligence that Helios was just talking about. So most of the time, you know, you, you're dealing with things that are more like uh, wild animals or like like Helios said, the bestial part um, of your own self. And, and very, very few times are you dealing with like an actual being that is a demon in itself and this lines up with what the catholic church says which is that actual possessions are extremely extremely rare and so getting more, one of the things i want to talk about sorry to interrupt um, but just for a yeah. second they're getting more common and they're uh, one right. of the things i wanted to bring up here was there was an atlantic article interestingly from like last december so actually you know less than six months ago um documenting a rise, a reported rise i mean the catholic church because they're very uh, people for people who maybe don't know this the catholics are um, very on top of this, and they, you know they they kind of keep it a little bit hush hush for you know a bunch of reasons, but but you know once they see okay well this person is reporting possession we're going to send them to a psychiatrist we're going to send them to another psychiatrist we're going to go through all these different steps but once we sort of ruled out anything else then this is very obvious you know this is a possession we need to deal with it in a certain kind of way and so they're very rigorous and very thorough and and they keep very good records. And the records show that there is a very large increase in the number of these kind of cases. I just want to throw that in there. Please continue. I think there's definitely different tiers when it comes to demons. Like, like I mean, even if you look at like the Goetia and stuff like that, it's there's different <laughs> to use a, a like kind of layman's terms power levels, right? <laughs> Some of them are are extremely powerful, and they're you know the older ones, the ones that are from like garden of eden level old angels that fell and then other ones are younger that are like probably like the spirits of 
uh, Nephilim that died and stuff like that. But some of them, I think, are a little like more interested in possessing humans and other like stuff like you see like in the movie like Poltergeist. But it's never good to be like possessed. It's going to destroy your body at a rapid rate and you're just going to fall apart because they're too powerful for a human to hold inside them. I think, yeah, so part of what I wanted to talk about, and I think it's, you're, you're hitting on this note, which is great, is this kind of typology, because, I mean, at least it's from my understanding, which obviously is not very great, um, but just sort of having encountered what I've encountered and read what I've read, um, there, it, it's not just a question of different power levels, or, or in some way it is, obviously, but it's also a question of, like, the nature. I think that's what... Um, can we refer to him by his name? Is that okay to say his uh, his that first name, the, the, that uh, gentleman who provided that statement? Yeah. So Eric, right? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's already. Yeah, we can okay. say his first. Name. Okay. So so as Eric said, you know, um, I mean, I, I interpret his statement maybe, and you know him better than I do for sure. But uh, it, it the, the, within that ninety nine percent, I mean, it, it there's you know consciousness is these beings, there's, there's, there's phenomena, there's all kinds of, you know, some, some of it is just an artifact of like, a, let's say a psychic artifact of, you know, like um, some brutal murder happens somewhere. And that sort of does something to what, what I would say the, the storehouse consciousness or the kind of uh, all pervasive intersubjective underlying nature where karmic where karma is stored as like potential seeds, right? Then that, alters the fabric of reality in that zone or whatever that's not necessarily in other words when when poltergeist kind of activity happens it's not necessarily that there is a poltergeist a demon that is doing something it, it's something something is messed up in like the fabric of our engagement with the with with consciousness there and that and right this this also mirrors what they call the stone tape theory which is where your emotional and spiritual energy that's around can get stored in certain materials like if you look at um, what are the what are places that are haunted have in common? If you there are a lot of old houses that are built out of fieldstone that tend to have a lot more of that activity because mm. fieldstone something is about said the, to be yeah, something that it retains that karma somehow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rocks in general interact with um, this sort of this level of stuff. Well, rocks, in my opinion, are all Sentient. a lot. Well, <laughs> most of the time. It's it's petrified wood, so they used to be trees, hmm. right? Oh, so okay. that so they were then, like living like, matter, that, yeah. Right, right, mm -hmm. and then houses are also made of wood. wood. Yeah, and I think that wood is very receptive, and it, and it just like absorbs a lot, and that it holds sense. it in there. Because like yeah, when a house is haunted, right, it's usually like a loop that something's trapped in a loop. Yeah. So it's yeah. the spirit that's trapped in the boards and like that place. And, you know, it, when it talks about hauntings, it's usually saying, like, it's the house. It's the house that's haunted. It's not like, you know, it's something definite about the building and the where it is. And I think it's some sort of relationship between the wood that's holding that structure together and, you know, the spirit that's somehow stuck in there. What? What? It's okay. <laughs> so, so that gets you into... Guys, yeah, please. Oh, uh, do you guys remember we talked about sacred spaces and how yes. when you do your your meditation and your prayer and you burn incense and make offerings in a particular place that it becomes, yes, you make course. it a sacred place. A haunting is that effect in, reverse. in the other way around. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So then, so then there's that is sort of one thing where you're not necessarily talking about the point I'm making is the distinction where th there, these kinds of phenomena 
um, hauntings are not demons, right? Exactly. Yeah. Then there are like separately from that, but can be you know at the same time in the same place even conscious beings that do bad things or and then then it's also good so i had one kind of like preliminary question that someone asked me um in dm before we started this episode he said you know i have this trickster problem I'm like well i mean i understand maybe from if you're going to be a strict catholic or whatever even you know at a certain level about it like tricksters are not i mean the point is you know if there's a trickster kind of leprechaun kind of thing i mean maybe they they can be malicious they can definitely fuck you up really bad um but that's not necessarily their goal, right? Or if it is, it's only because they're in, you know, they think it's funny, right? So like, even within you're talking about, there's a kind of conscious um, entity, conscious being that is, as an act of its will, in, exerting some kind of influence. Um, so I have some experience yeah. with this firsthand that I could talk about. Please. Um, so last year and this year, Around the same time, I have had two different bouts with sleep paralysis. And so for those people who don't know, sleep paralysis is essentially where you'll, it's either when you're falling asleep or in the middle of the night. Like, you know, we wake up in the middle of the night and don't remember it to like turn over, adjust your body or whatever. Um, your mind will wake up, but your body will not wake up. And while you're asleep, your brain paralyzes your body so that you don't act out your dreams and hurt yourself and others. And there's a phenomenon where when, you know, some people, for whatever reason, uh, will wake up and not be able to move their body. And this is a time when really weird stuff happens. So last year when this was happening, I, it had the dist I had like three or four bouts with this where it happened. And it started when we went to stay in a cabin. And um, those bouts of sleep paralysis distinctly felt like interacting with an entity, like during the attacks there was the definite feeling of there being another presence there. So I would, well, you know, here's an example, right? We stayed in this cabin. I woke up. I realized I'm in sleep paralysis. I can't move. And there's this loud buzzing. Every time I have it, there's this loud buzzing sound, just right. Almost mechanical sounding. Um, for some reason, I don't know why that happens. Uh, and, and I'm in the pitch black darkness of this cabin. And there's this weird feeling of somebody's here, right? It's like when you're, uh, you know, you'll be alone and you'll feel like somebody's watching you, right? It's more terrifying because you can't move your body. Well, I hear a voice say this exact phrase to me. If you, if you shake your head, you can wake up before he gets here. And this is a very high pitched, like almost like, almost like a comical, like Tinkerbell kind of voice. And then I try to shake my head to wake up like it said, and I couldn't. And then it laughed at me like it had just tricked me, right? It just did that to be funny. Meanwhile, I'm terrified. So this continues and I hear nothing for a while and then I get released and I can move. Um, another time I was asleep at my house alone after working a night shift, I wake up, I'm in sleep paralysis. Um, there's, there's like a, I can see down my hallway kind of under my arm, which is over my face. And there's like a blur. It just looks like a blur in my hallway. And it says to me in like a country gentleman's accent, now I fucking own your past. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's terrifying, right? That's I remember scary as hell. Shit. Yeah. I remember this. Okay, so those are the experiences that happened to me last year. And it's been happening again this year. But this year, number one, they're not scary. And there's no like distinct feeling of another entity. It feels more like, like what we were saying earlier. Like it's a lower tier 
of beings or phenomena that are happening. Like sometimes I'll just wake up, be paralyzed, have a creepy feeling, won't hear anything or see anything, and then I'll be allowed to go back to sleep or wake up. You know, now I own your fucking past. <laughs> Basically, that's what it sounded like. So I'm, I'm, what I'm getting at is that there's like these two tiers of experiences I've had. One, yeah. and the first time I had these attacks, they were accompanied like during that time I was having nightly nightmares that were so terrifying I would like wake up screaming. Actually, hit my wife in my sleep one time, like smacked her in the side, like flailing in the bed. And uh, yeah, so and then this time it's more like, you know, it's it's like the difference between an evil person and an animal that will hurt you because they're scared or whatever. Right. Yeah. And some so of them are levels extreme, to the shit. So, some of them are extremely scary, extremely old, extremely powerful, and really just incredibly malicious. And but that's very rare. And I, you know, I mean, it's not that, it, that they don't, they aren't there, or they don't act. It's just, um, I think most of the time, what people, you know, it, it's, um, and a lot of the time, I think it, 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 it's a kind of a um, cross-dimensional kind of uh, translation issue. Where, uh oh. <laughs> Uh, where, uh, <laughs> where, uh, like, so, you know, we were talking about some kind of being being, um, stuck in, uh, in, in, in a, in a loop, right? The being in that situation wants to get out. The being in that situation really. I'm not even sure that there's actually a creature or, or like an, like a spirit. At that point, I think it's sort of a sort of a part of a recording that's inside of the house. With that, anyway. But with, oh yeah, with sure. Regard to like, being yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it could be okay. You know, sometimes if if something is if, if there's a if there's someone that's stuck in the bardo, right, or or stuck in some kind of you know, um, they 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 refuse to let go, or they refuse to you know go to the next thing, or or something like that, or or they're just you know scared and need need some kind of help. Um, they can lash out, and because of their situation, that can cause problems for us, right? Which is not necessarily, maybe not be malicious at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're th saying more, it's like more like a wounded dog that's yeah, just exactly. biting whoever comes close to help. Exactly. Um, so this is why I think it's important to, I mean, this sort of gets maybe into the, um, and I'm curious, Storm, to also hear what, you know, what worked for you, if anything, but um, I, there is a practical element here because, you know, I, I've been saying for a while on Twitter and in general, I, I really, I, I feel very strongly that we, we are increasingly um, living in a time of increasing demonic activity. And so it's... I it's, think that's because of the... Um, the amount of people that no longer care about religion and the, yes. like the, the rise in atheism. Agree. Uh, because yes, go on. The more atheists there are, the more people there are to like influence, and the more people are over there being like, "Ha hail Satan!" Yeah, exactly. being like all ironic and so, stupid. Yes. Um, about I, I said this a while back, and I'll, and I'll repeat it again. I mean, like, so so it's exactly like Eric said. Um, I, I would take a tiny little issue with some of it, but it doesn't matter. When he's saying like, you know, call on the name of your, call on the name of Jesus Christ, call on the name of the Buddha, call on the name of Guru Rinpoche, like that is um, incredibly powerful. The, the problem is, you know, if you don't, like that is essentially a gun, right? These demons coming at you with knives, for metaphorically, you know, you have a gun when you have, because all, compared to the name of Jesus Christ, the name of Guru Rinpoche, etc., they all they have are knives at best and you have a gun because that just, just gone the problem is when you don't 
have that kind of faith. When you don't believe, when you're not, when you're not Christian, when you're not, you know, when you don't have faith in, in Guru Rinpoche's ability to um, subjugate demons, which is what, it, you know, I, maybe for those of you who don't know, Guru Rinpoche is one of the most important figures in Tibetan Buddhism, and he's famous primarily in some ways specifically for subjugating demons because when the dharma first came to tibet there was this problem where the local spirits who weren't necessarily again necessarily malicious they were just used to you know getting sacrifices and having their own thing and and they had a nice little setup and they didn't like this new religion coming in and so when they were trying to build a buddhist monastery they kept tearing it down at night and so and they were having this problem so they said well, what are we going to do about it well we need to call a sorcerer so they called the best sorcerer they could get there hands-on his name was Padmasambhava and he came from probably Kashmir and uh and they were like hey can you help us out he said absolutely and he just he just railed on him and and the the ones that um he you know felt that he the ones that were able to be brought into the fold he said look you're gonna you serve me now you're my bitch but I'm gonna make sure that you're well taken care of and those are protectors now and they protect the you know practitioners of the dharma and the ones that were just completely unwilling to cooperate he just you know liberated bam gone done Okay, if you don't have that kind of faith, if you don't have a Guru Rinpoche at, or, or, or Jesus Christ or whatever, then not only, for the most part, are you do you not have a gun, you don't even have a knife. You are completely disarmed, right? So that's the thing is, like, it's, it's not... I mean, at least you could say for, for, you know, if you have, like, you know, crystals or, or some kind of something, then, then at least you have some kind of means, perhaps, to fight back with. But if, if you don't have... If you're just some, you know, shitlib atheist fedora tier guy, like you don't have a gun, you don't have a knife, you have nothing. You have you are walking around in a valley of of lions. I called it like blindfolding yourself and walking into traffic. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyone listening to this, I don't know, you know, probably most of our audience is is not like that to begin with, but um, you need to get some some kind of um protection and this this was another it was a related question from from a catholic friend of mine who wanted to know um okay well so within the bounds of christianity or the catholic faith you know what can i do uh because there's a um there's this pro i don't know problem is not the right word but in in catholicism particularly and i think orthodoxy as well you, you're not allowed in fact to 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 do to do any of this stuff if you're not an ordained not just ordained but specifically authorized by the institutional structure to to do this kind of stuff. Um, but that said, there are things you can do. You can you can you know holy water. Everyone can have holy water. There's no reason not to have holy water, right? Uh, everyone can have you know you can have a scapula or some kind of amulet you know with a saint or or, or picture you know Christ or icon mini something like that. Is you know there's no reason not to have something like that around your neck. I have. A protection around my neck constant in fact i have a both a cross uh and a um a buddhist amulet um at all times and there's really no reason not to unless you're doing certain kinds of very specific practices there's really no reason not to uh, that was one of the things that helped me when i was going through all this is is i had um interestingly just like you i had a uh i in, i was told to invoke something and i had just the feeling for some reason because I had a shirt with St. Michael on it that I like to wear because it looks really awesome. It's done like in the icon style from the Orthodox Church. So I wore that, and uh, I got a particular crystal. It's a Satya Loka Azeshtilite crystal that comes, and it's called that because it's it comes from the land. It's mined out of the land nearby the Satya Loka Monastery. And basically when I got this, it completely stopped. Wow. That <laughs> night. It never, never happened again after I did those two things. 
One thing that I find very interesting about what you're saying with sleep paralysis is, at least to my understanding, it's kind of like the continuation of the dream state into the waking uh, waking consciousness. Helios, sorry, is it possible? Could you mute while you're... Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah, I no, will. It's, no worries. It's cool. And so when when that's happening, and, and the reason I find that kind of interesting is, of course, the, the typical materialistic view would be just like, oh, it's the subconscious hallucinations happening in, in the waking in the waking world. But when you look at it from like the traditional perspective, and I'm thinking specifically like in Orthodox Christianity, um, there's a very common piece of advice given to people that you should ignore your dreams because they're a very common conduit for demonic activity. Yes. And that just, it's, it's kind of interesting that you're mentioning that. Like, it's almost as if when you're out of like the conscious mind, yes. that you become very susceptible to the demonic suggestions. Has anyone read many of my threads? No, I can you please link? I I uh, I saw. I think we're mutual. If we if we're not mutuals, I'll have to follow you uh, back. I think. But anyway, um, please include those and in, in, send those to or send these. I've read. I've read a lot. Yes, I read I a lot of your threads, Helios. Yeah. Yeah, that's dream state is like directly linked to all of that. You know, I'll I'll chime in here. So, um, you know, often when we're doing these talks on this show, I I think about people who are listening with a skeptical mind and I, I try to think of what's the lowest barrier to entry for people to to come sort of understand what people are talking about if you you know for people out there who because I'll put it this way I notice um, people it's been criticized I think on Twitter because you know the the term um, oh it's demons you know look at these demonic things it gets thrown around a lot and I honestly think it doesn't get thrown around enough <laughs> and I think that yeah. for people so for some people just using that word sort of colloquially without necessarily really believing that um, on a literal level, I actually don't have a problem with people sort of overusing the term because it, it, it's, it puts you it's, in the right you know, mindset, like, right? Like yeah, it, it makes and you it, think of things in a cor more correct way. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if the, if the less, if the least thing that it does is get people arguing about whether or not such things are even real, that's good. That's a really good start because in the materialist, secular, atheist West, um, the default position is that all of this is baloney and it's um, foolishness at best and like actively like charlatanism and, you know, um, like, I don't, you know, like just calcified badness. Uh, if you think that, that and I'm sure, maybe I'm sure I hope that there are people I mean, that we have a wide enough range of people that there are some people that feel like that. Read that. I'm going to put the Atlantic article in the show notes. Um Read through it and see if you still feel. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of um, went through like a little bit of an edgy atheist phase. I think most people do at a certain, you know, in this culture. I, I could never really fully convince myself. I mean, I sort of like it was at a certain level more kind of culturally. Like I felt that it was expected that someone who was bright and educated and interested in science, blah blah blah, would you know have a certain worldview, and 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 I sort of absorbed the message. You know, like we all do with the, the, the shit lib leftist thing or, you know, people in certain thing do that, that, you know, this is what you should think. Um, and so I was like, well, I should think this, but I never really could. And, and, and it was always a part of me when I would read these kind of stories, you know, it's like, well, is absolutely everyone in here just lying? I mean, just making stuff up or how do they, how do you convince yourself of this? If, you know, let's say they're not lying, but then what is it? And then, you know, and, 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 you know, some of this stuff, it's just, well, as I said, read, read. You know, read the narratives, and if you if, if there's you, some if you um, there's some very good documentaries you can watch. You can watch um, the one on Father Malachi Martin. Oh, I think it's called uh, 
if you just look up Father Malachi Martin documentary, you'll see it. Um, I think it's called like a, a Servant to the Devil or something like that. There's another one called The Devil and Father Amorth, which has some incredibly convincing video. Yeah, man, that, who video, is possessed. that video and that one, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you can Hostage also watch... Hostage to the Devil is the name. Hostage and, to the Devil, that's yeah. right. Um, and you can watch um, A Haunting in Connecticut and A Haunting in Georgia. Those both have a very good overview of the process the Catholic Church uses to narrow it down to a, to saying this is a possession or a haunting. So those I, are very good. I will also I, say that nothing convinces me like being paralyzed in my bed <laughs> and being talked to by something yeah. in a high pitched voice that laughed at me. So, <laughs> yeah, personal experiences always, you know, that's the, yeah, the, I, I the have zero doubt. stuff, but I, um, you know, I think some people function very well seeing examples and reading about examples, but I also think that there's a lot of people that for them, it's almost like anti evidence, like the more evidence they see, yeah. then the, the more they're like, well, that's faked. And this is, these people are just uh, delusional or something. And, about that, yeah, I had an general, argument with somebody like that. Was yeah, like, and oh, about that mindset in general, I could probably go off on a um a rant, but I I will hold it Do in it, for go now. Go off, Ching. Well, that there's a there's a there's another point I'd rather make actually, which is that if you are sort of in that that mental space, maybe you're not committed to that, but you find yourself thinking, eh, this is all kind of fraudulent and stuff. First of all, it's okay to think that some of it's fraudulent. That's the first thing I'd say. Some of it probably is. Second of all. You just have to ask yourself, do you think that there is any entity that's conscious on planet Earth, forget about the whole universe, um, that is non-human? Do you think that the only conscious, or, you know, let's say dolphins and chimps or whatever, but do you think that animal intelligence is the only kind of intelligence ever in the history of the universe, history of the world? Uh, but you also are like, oh, I'm interested in meditation practice well, this, or whatever. So, so Why talk, would yeah. these very wise people who are super into meditation practices, they all – they all testify to the existence of like extra human consciousness, right? Whether that's ghosts, angels, uh, bodhisattvas coming from other dimensions and all kinds of stuff. Right. Uh, so why, you know, why would they all believe that? And, and you are the first guy in the year 2019, you're the smartest dude who ever lived, who figured out, you know, all the half of their teachings are true. And the other half are all full of, which alone. conveniently See, is exactly what global homo, you know, is, conditioning you to think from the time before you were born even like that, and you know, that, is yeah, that you're that, enlightened that, by your own intelligence that is directly into some demonic influences that's encouraged yeah. i believe by certain entities oh, I, out there and that can bring up the you know the question of the aramonic versus the luciferian but i'll put a bookmark well, i'm curious to hear okay wait no i want to i want to i have one real quick um thing i want to say first which is just more of an aside which is that the, the problem in my experience coming out of in some ways that kind of a framework is it's not just that they would say that there are no non-animal non-human whatever intelligences it was it, or consciousnesses even they would say that even humans are not conscious a lot of this That's a right. lot of this right. reduces to like oh it's all just molecules in your brain and there's no such thing as awareness lol nothing right. i mean that that's what a lot of this ultimately boils down to um, that 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 is like the radical nihilism. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's at the heart just of. as much a faith-based assumption as as any 
I actually think it's worse. It's actually a lot worse because it's like you're saying like I am not what what it comes down to is I am not experiencing right now, which is just I mean, it's like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Like, I mean, it's just there's no arguing with these people because they're just blinded by ideology. It's willfulness. It's very willful, too, because the more evidence it's they get people. And I say they because I've been in this this before, but there's a certain mindset that, again, the more evidence you produce, the less likely that, you know, their 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 Bayesian priors go down. (laughs) <laughs> as you show them, <laughs> right? Well, it's just, yeah. that's just, as you say. Like, sorry, go on. The fact oh, that the some, name of oh, Jesus. some book written by some old dude, and then another book written by some old dude. I'm like, why the fuck don't you believe the old yeah. dudes? Like, who else are you supposed to listen? To? So, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You say this is that is, and getting what I was saying, like you know, in terms of this typology, that is precisely a form of possession, right? Is it like this kind of ideology just blinding you to reality in the service of a nefarious agenda? That is a form of possession. Um, and I think, I mean, it has a history and I, I've sort of, I talked a little bit on Westward and before, and I've sort of mentioned the problem is now I have this, I, I want to write a book. Uh, I want to write a book. As soon as I'm done with, um, my current sort of long, tar- large scale project, uh, I have a, a book I want to write about the history of basically modernity going back to the German romantics, um, in the, through the English romantics and Hollywood and basically romanticism as Satanism as modernity. I don't. The problem is I don't know. If I, I don't think I, I've talked about it enough now, and it's including here. Like I don't think I could publish it under a, my actual name. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll just limit my. Inf- you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Point is, I think th- when you look at. Um, okay, so so uh, I don't know how you all feel about him. I actually I really. I mean, he's a little bit of a normie and a little bit of a cuck. But I think Rod Dreher is a, is an interesting guy. He says interesting things, and um, he had a a pl- post about. Um, because he's also really into demonic possession and sort of, you know, what's going, it keeps a close track, much closer than I think most people operating today in the media do on this kind of stuff. He had a post about the Atlantic article where he said that I would keep mentioning, where he said, for those who become possessed without having involved themselves with the occult, because some people, you know, they do the occult thing and they just, you know, open themselves up completely with it that way that they even think is a joke, you know, hail Satan or whatever. And then it's, um, but for those who don't do that and who are just, sort of seems to be unwilling, the key to being possessed seems to be some combination of self-hatred and trauma. And I, when I read that, I was like, oh, the self-hatred bit really jumps out at me because uh, if you think about it, right, like what is the message? What is yeah, the message? That down to a science. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like the self-critique, the self-hatred, the self-doubt. Go on, please. No, it's, it's interesting because that almost sounds like precisely the message that Globo Homo wants to present to Westerners. Exactly. Well, not, there's, I, no such, yeah. Yeah, there's no such thing as any kind of supernormal, as any kind of non-animal intelligence. And simultaneously, you should hate yourself, you should hate your culture, you should hate your history. It's well, not like everyone's history, right? We're not supposed to hate, we're not going to hate, own. we're not going to hate like Israel's history. No, right? you have to hate your own history. You have to hate, you have to hate your own history. white men. Right. And and so to me, it's like, well, this I mean, it's just like, oh, this is just culture of critique. Right. Like what is what is culture of critique? When you look at like the influence of uh, certain ethnic groups, you know, uh, ability to insert themselves into the intellectual structure of Western life. Right. In terms of academic discourse, like what is the quote unquote cultural Marxist theory the critical theory blah blah blah. what is that all really reduced to is self-hatred what is it really reduced to is teaching young white men to hate themselves right 
And so when you look at something like, you know, Sabbatean Frankism and these sort of, you know, Kabbalistic, esoteric forms of Jewish practice, right? Like, to me, it's like, oh, oh. And, and it's interesting because simultaneously, it seems like with uh, among elites in the West, there's this this tendency towards themselves practicing sort of these occult type things. Um, like you can see, I, I guess the very uh, like you, a lot of them are involved with like say Bohemian Grove, where they start the whole ceremony by burning an effigy to an owl, actual corpse, possibly an actual. It could be and might be a real human sacrifice. I would not put it past them. They they actually believe this shit. I think that human sacrifice is, is very linked with this as well, and, and abortion no, ties. Abortion 100% ties. I mean, that's why yes, I was... It yeah. is. No, I mean, we'd like to joke about Molech, but I think that that refers to a real entity of some I, kind. I knew a, a guy who was, like, definitely off his gourd. Sorry, sorry, Storm, did I interrupt? Were you going to say something? No, I was just mentioning the, the human thing. I, I knew a guy who was off his gourd. Okay, granted. But he also like knew a lot of stuff, and he I, maybe I even mentioned this here before. But if not, I'm, I'll mention it again. He said to me, like point blank face, he's like, "There is human sacrifice, child sacrifice, like people in halls of power." In uh, he he said specifically Europe, um, in and and he connected it to essentially. I mean, he said he said the word he he said the Masons. Now, I mean, this could just, I mean you know masonry is kind of large and, and variegated phenomenon but um he said no it's happening now people are the elites have children that are not on the books that they sacrifice to moloch they're just like straight up murder to continue their power and i'm like well i mean at the time i was sort of like well i don't know maybe you know i'm certainly not going to say that i don't there's no way but you know the more i see and the more i mean that that was maybe that was probably about 10 years ago now um you know, if you look at the things that have happened in the past 10 years and just how brazen they've become, uh, I don't doubt that for a second. I don't doubt I, that for a second. I, I don't doubt it either. Um, but to me, like, the other thing that's really – we've touched on this, and Helios was talking about this. What's really – creeps me out even more than the sort of high magic stuff which is obviously really bad and creepy um is the sort of like the mass the mass sacrifice the mass just the sort of dumbness the 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 you know just this sort of empty souls walking around by the tens of millions like that yeah. the it's sort of industrial process uh demonness and uh uh c.s lewis talks about this you know it's like the most depressing thing is not like uh a, like an like an actual like high-powered Satanist, although I, I don't want anything to do with somebody like that. But it, it's it's ten million extremely low-powered Satanists who wouldn't even call them Satanists who are just sort of going through the motions that they've been taught. You know, this this sort of uh, it's like a sausage mill of like extremely low-grade and powerless evil, but like in mass, it becomes this like huge like gray goo of like just ambient evil and that is what i think is like the modern that that is the modern something that's particularly true of our modern sort of mass industrial hyper atheist material society that and that that's when i don't lose this i don't lose hope i don't despair but when i start feeling despair it's when i start thinking about that that well phenomenon. there's about like a turbo faggotry <laughs> yeah i mean that does it too right i mean can you think about how spiritually damaging something like sodomy is sorry go on 
Um, so there's two levels to this, in my opinion, right? And the, so you have you have the people actually doing this kind of dark occult practice, and this grants them a lot of power. Now, it's power at the cost of your soul, at, at the cost of your family, at the cost of uh, everything. I mean, that's that's what the sort of black magic power is, is, is giving up the core of yourself for this for this power, right? And then you have the other aspect of this, which is people who don't believe in any of it. They think they're just doing quirky stuff when they do satanic rituals. That's the most useful um, to evil is when you don't believe in it. That puts your guard 100% down. Where when you actually are a true believer and you realize you're dealing with something you should respect, even though you're quote-unquote on its side, there is still a, a, a mediation relationship caused by this belief. So you're talking about like – I mean you're basically churning out these people who are just – by the tens of millions who have have no defense, they don't believe in defense is possible or necessary. Well, that's why so I, I, I think, like, like you know, Mike Enoch says now, and I think increasingly, and, I, and I'm incl- increasingly inclined to agree, it's malicious, it's deliberate, and it's malicious. There is a, there are people in control of our society, and, and I, I mean, I you know, I harp on this thing. I don't think it's exclusively our Levantine friends by any stretch. I, I think it, it's it's bigger than that for sure. I mean, or not, it's not reducible to that. But right, there are people in control of our society that. That willed this, that did this to people deliberately, um, that and, and they've been doing it for you know the better part of a hundred years now, and and they're just turning the West into a, a, a absolute grist for the satanic mill. Yeah, that uh, that knocked that knocked the chat quiet because it's just sort of so true. <laughs> it's it's definitely. I mean, you've got these atheist edgelords right they're stupid they are probably ex-christians their parents are probably christian they are uh disillusioned they're bitter they're kind of dumb and they just jump take that that like 180 degree shift and they go from you know probably not really caring to not caring anymore but wearing black and and like stupid t-shirts with occult symbols and thinking that it's funny to say hail Satan and you know, but I- acting like an absolute fucking waste of flesh. And you know, those people, those people just piss me off. Those people piss me off too. And they're sad and pathetic, but they're also like perpetrating evil. So it's, they're definitely to be opposed, but and they I'm probably do like spells. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I'm not even talking yeah. about low level. Legend. I want to get this out. I am talking about like bugmanism. This I'm is, talking yes. about waking up in the morning and you know consuming consuming food like product and then like going to work location and doing nothing and then coming home and consuming Game of Thrones product and. Mm-hmm. Shit posting on the internet about how like this is why atheist, I think the you know, Hollywood piece is so important, and this is why I really, I yes, mean, and, and, and yes, there are yes. definitely deliberate Luciferian themes, and I, I want to return to your. I don't even know the other word you mentioned there, so I want to hear uh, the harmonic, and I, I just want to get this out, guys. Yeah. So, so all of that. That's what I mean by extremely low grade, because yeah. one day of living like that is. But that's the thing. Really is, if you buy into the Hollywood thing, you know, chase your dreams, follow your passion, blah blah blah, all this bullshit, right? That first of all is Luciferian. Hundred yes. percent, and so when you buy into that Hollywood romantic, romantic, you know, romanticist, whatever mindset, when you act like that, you are being a Satanist. You may not think of yourself that way. I think that's what you're getting at, or I'm sort of filling in some. But it's like that you, you don't think of it that way. But that's kind of low grade narcissistic nihilism. That is yeah. Satanism, and you are participating in this cult of Moloch or whatever you want to call it, whether like without even being aware of it. 
Yeah, and it's it's same people are like the telescopic uh, philanthropy thing, which is where like you know their idea of doing good is sending money across the world in sort of a, an anonymous way or whatever, and not anonymous when they brag about it on social media, but in terms of like how the money actually goes to help somebody, and instead of like just stopping and helping an old lady across the street, right? Like that is like, oh, I can't make eye contact with a human being. That would be weird, but we should definitely like definitely raise going to Africa. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That that old white lady is a is a uh, an evil racist colonialist. So you can't yeah. help her. Yeah. So anyway, so so that's what I'm talking about. This ma- and it's sort of like the sausage factory in the sense that any one day in any one of these buckmen, it's like the it's the the evil is like very low grade. I'm not trying to paint these people as like bohemian grove sacrificers or whatever but when you multiply that by an entire lifetime and then those lifetimes by the tens of millions or maybe hundreds of millions of people that live that way the mass effect of all that is like a complete wiping out of meaningfulness and that's very helpful uh to to for like re- actual intelligent demonic entities to use it it's like this big fucking like club that they have to sort of swing around through the society dashing apart you know little daisies of meaning that might manage to prop the uh, crop up here or there you know what i mean yeah um that's what and, the iron that's what like borzo has been on this anti-irony kick and i think yes. that's what irony does right irony is the club that is being used to smash the daisy of meaning yeah that's, that's exactly right. what i was talking about last show when i went on that little mini rant about about irony and nihilism and all that it, it's exactly the same thing very corrosive so can you or while we're because I before I forget I just want so you said there's a distinction between Luciferianism and what was what is this other one Yeah I mean there, this is not a this is not a Platonic uh, distinction between the Luciferian and the Arimanic that's A H R I M A N that comes from like a Zoroastrian demon I believe Ariman uh, but I, I'm not studied up on this or anything I'm not an expert on it. however what is the uh, distinction it is consistent it, it's a distinction that I it, Rudolf Steiner. Um, is the one who talks about this and i found it a useful distinction for thinking about these things so it's basically two kinds of uh yeah demonic power um in the history of the world but especially it's easy to see in the modern world so the luciferian is the the self-seeking in the sort of the self-glorifying way it's the it's the wild it's the it's the violent it's the um the bloodthirsty and also like the lustful and um yeah, the, the like the will to power that that sort of um, classical image, uh, at least from like Paradise Lost, of, of of Satan as this like person who couldn't stand to be submitted to God and therefore had to like break out and create his own kingdom, right? His own universe. The Arhimonic is the idea of the um, the demonic as the sort of as not the soulless, but in the colloquial sense, soulless. The sort of like. The, the mathematical, the, the so, dumbing So it's kind of like, the, what I'm hearing is it's sort of like the Apollonian Dionysian thing, except for demons. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Although, yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's not a bad way to put it, I'd say. Yeah, the Arimonic is, is sort of just like the mass production, the, the, um, the, yeah, the emptying out of meaning, the sort of, the, the, the deadening to the world and just sort of slaving yourself sort of repetitively over and over mm. to like you know the, the, the demon like if, you, if a demon command the way the things that the way the things would happen when a demon commands you to build a pyramid yes the you know a a, a luciferian uh impulse is to like is to like kill that little baby because yeah. ah yeah, yeah. the arimonic a uh, demonic impulse is like well it's just a clump of cells <laughs> yeah jesus jesus christ have mercy oh my goodness um yeah 
Interesting. Okay, so so we got a question in the chat that I think will help us reconnect to some of the earlier themes. Um, do you guys think that demons use the internet as a means to travel? I have my own thoughts, but I, I thought I would cede the floor to, to you guys first. Damn, that's a good question. I don't know. It just dep it depends on how you conceptualize, I guess, the quote-unquote body of what a demon is. I mean, most of the time we're talking about non-physical entities that have power to interact with the physical. So do they really need to travel, or can they just manifest wherever they need to be? I, I think certainly the internet is definitely a huge tool of what you would call demonic forces or evil. Demons uh, are, sure. are like extra-dimensional, so they aren't three or four they're like six and they're i think they're stuck up there i don't think they can actually physically manifest very easily that's why they probably stick to possession most of the time and i don't think they have actual like concrete bodies i think they're more like these esoteric concepts like like maybe like a plume of ever shifting metallic smoke or like you know something like liquid helium or whatever they the the stuff that makes up the clouds on Jupiter that's probably what a demon is more similar to with with a mind that is contained within that somewhere out in like several dimensions separate from us at least in my opinion yeah no i i think so i as i said i think there's several there's there's different types of demons I, there's no so in in Buddhist cosmology, there are you would say tradition. There's there's the desire realms, which includes the hell realms. As we, but but that's a little. I'll get that in a second. Then there's the form realms and the formless realms, um, and basically that corresponds to like the grossness of the level of um, embodiment. Uh, it, it's kind of an interesting sort of open to some extent question whether you can have, um, but, but there needs to be embodiment of some sort. I think that that is probably for sure that, that you would need, like it, it, there's no such thing as, um, there's no such thing as intelligence or awareness that is not in some way, quote unquote, embodied. Now, within a framework where everything is mind, which is a kind of ultimate Buddhist framework, I would say, um, you know, what does it mean to have a bot? What does it mean to say that in, in awareness needs to be embodied when everything is mind? I mean, it's kind of like you're getting into <laughs> it gets complicated, but um, I, I think that's a useful framework, even if you would say, you know, typically you refer to the beings that exist in the form realms and the formless realms as quote unquote gods. I, I the problem is when you're talking about the hell realms, what you're actually talking about for the most part are like beings that because of their own bad actions, their own bad karma. Um, are suffering in a really intense way. It's not, and, and, and there's actually a kind of interesting debate in um, one of the most important, uh, I believe he's also important for the Chinese tradition, is uh, Vasubandhu, who's like a really incredible, just genius figure and, 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 and master of meditation and really just an interesting guy. Um, so he wrote a lot, but one of the most important things he wrote is a sort of very long commentary on um, the sort of foundational Buddhist scholastic text, the Abhidharma. And in that, he said, you know, he sort of entertains this debate about, you know, well, what are, because there's these, these reports, um, and it's taught in, in the sutras and so on, that there's these guardians of hell that are torturing, they're the ones that are sort of torturing um, the people that are in, the beings that are in hell. 
And so then it's, there's, it seems like there's this division between there's the beings in hell that are suffering and there's the beings in hell that are the torturers that we would think of in a sense as being demons. But the problem is like, okay, well, if you have these, these guardians of hell that are doing all this torturing, how are they ever like, I mean, if that's their sort of designated job and that's what they're doing, that's they're inflicting all this pain. Like what is the, like, how do they ever escape from that? Because, you know, they're, they're stuck in hell torturing people forever and ever. That doesn't seem, that something seems off. And so basically what he says is, well, no, they aren't actually conscious beings, that they're manifestations of the bad karma of the people that are in there. They're like wind, this, you know, prana, just kind of doing its own thing, manifesting in this way as a seemingly external um, conscious being, but isn't actually a conscious being at all. It's just a kind of illusion produced by all this bad karma. Um, which is, I think, resonates with this idea we we're talking about, like the haunted house, right? So then it's like, okay, well, you're talking about the experience of, you know, when we're talking about gods, typically the form realms and formless realms are described as being very pleasurable, at least in certain ways. I think you can also think, you can think of the gods and the demons as not necessarily being completely different things. Like from the perspective of a mal very malicious, very powerful being, it can be, you know, a sadistic being. If you are quote unquote, a god or, or whatever, a very powerful being in the form realm or the formless realm where like you, you have a very, very, very subtle body, very widely dispersed, maybe dispersed entirely throughout the particular world system or universe that you're inhabiting. Like you can, you can sort of equally manifest anywhere within it in the formless realm. Uh, like if you're a sadistic being that managed to accumulate all this karma to acquire that much power, right? Like you can be from the perspective of the beings in the world system that you're fucking with sadistically, like, that's demonic. Now, from your perspective, you just have attained all this power and you're exercising your own will in the way you want to. So this division between like God, quote unquote, lowercase g, God and demon, I think to a large extent depends on the perspective of the being that it's, that it, that it's sort of being interacted with. I don't know how much sense I'm making. Actually, quite a bit. Like, I know in the Tibetan tradition, there's at least this idea I've heard before of uh, Gyalpa, which are uh, sort of a, a kind of... Um, they're localized the lower realms. They're lo localized spirits. Well, they're, yeah, I mean, this stuff gets complicated. They typically would be understood to be in the desire realm, but not humans. Yeah, I mean, from what I've understood, they've been classified as they're a kind of preta or hungry ghost. Is what that's I've some of some heard. of them? Some of them would be in like that zone. Some of them would be in what's called like this gets into like elaborate Indian cosmology. But in Indian cosmology, like the, you have the devas and the asuras, and because like the mm -hmm. and, and basically this seems to map to some extent onto the like a very very old fight between rival clans of the Aryans the Indo-Aryans or whatever who like some of the Aryans um the ones that became they call themselves to this day Aryans or Iranians um were Persian uh and they worship the Asuras which is where we get Ahura like Ahura Mazda which is like these the Zoroastrian gods uh -huh. and then there were other Aryans the ones that made it into India um, that worship the devas, which is where we get the word deus, which is like God, right? And so you have this like, you have this like the Indic branch of Indo-Aryan, which is like where deus is, or the devas are the the top beings. And then you have the art, the like Iranian, Persian, whatever, I think Gathic is the proper term, branch, where they worship the asuras or the ahuras. And, um, and and so, like, in the Ahura system, the Devas are the bad guys. And in the Deva system, the Asuras are the bad guys. But it's kind of, I mean, the point is that you, like, from a, from a Buddhist perspective, it, which, like, absorbed the Indic branch of that, um, 
the devas are in the form realms and the formless realms and the ahuras or the asuras are in the are in, stuck in the desire realm with humans they're like not really better off than humans no and, and it's actually kind of an interesting one because like i was some i think it was an acharya was mentioning something about how a lot of violent activities could be tr attributed back to provocation by galpo and i kind of was thinking about this and from what i've been reading it how much could we say that like a lot of these human sacrifice cults or these violent religions could actually be a form of Galpo worship and in effect kind of like energizing yeah, who, these demons. Who is Santa Muerte? Uh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, even with Santa Muerte, we, like I know in the last episode where y'all were talking about sacred spaces, we were thinking, well, what's the, sometimes what's wrong with America? What's wrong with the Americas? And you think about before Columbus got here and the Europeans colonized it, you have this just vast number of human sacrifice-based religions. The Aztecs, the Mayans, literal, and even here in North America. Literal towers of human skulls. And there was a hilarious economist. I, didn't, I, thought, I saw a screenshot. I thought it was a joke. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. I saw you see, it was like the, there were pioneers in gender equality. The Aztecs like, has female and male victims of human sacrifice in like equal numbers. Like, are, you, are you fucking out? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, but it's real. You can I mean, find it. We can look it up. We'll link yeah, to it in the show notes. It's, it's an absolutely real article no, by The Economist. It's, it's extraordinary. And, I mean, even here in North America, there was, like, this thing called Sacred Ridge where they found these dozens of bodies that had been just, like, they had their eyes gouged out, horribly mutilated, tortured. And this was actually a pretty common practice among Indians in North America to do to captives in war was just ritually tortured. No, nah, man, they all just, like, worship the – they just, like, love the eagles in nature and shit. They were just, like, oh, <laughs> just smoking yes, on and the they peace tried, pipes. And and Oklahoma and... turns them into these magical forest people who lived in harmony with nature before the evil white man showed up to stop them. It's it's extraordinary. I mean, the, re the whole reason we had a trail of tears in their asses is because they kept trying to fucking kill us. Like, yeah. constantly, without stopping, every single time. It was like Indian attacks. You know, they killed all the if women. If you haven't, everybody needs to read Blood Meridian. Just anybody in this thing, everybody needs to read Blood Meridian. I don't know if you seconded. And so sometimes I think, well, has the centuries of human sacrifice and brutal, nasty behavior by these people done something to the land here and that the current elites ruling over it have been in the subject of provocation by some of the spirits that they've been feeding for God knows how long. Like, kind of like, it's become like this anti, this 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 defiled space as opposed to a sacred one. I think that's 100% you know, right. Sorry, the go point on. in, like, if we talk about, like, setting up the, you know, the contrast between different kinds of uh, civilizations and, uh, diff you know, different forms of, like, you know, people killing other people, I, the point is for me is not to say like oh well the, you know these guys had x number of bodies and these guys had y number or whatever although that is relevant but that's not the central point it's why if you think them. about the like cartago delenda s delenda s that you know for for our listeners and stuff that that is the the rallying cry of the romans during the second and third punic war which is Car carthage must be destroyed the second punic war was an actual fight the third punic war was uh i believe cato the young i forget right. one of the and he was like that was he was the one who was saying in every he would always finish his speeches with i and furthermore i submit carthage is to be destroyed cartago de lenda s at which point after enough, enough provocation because carthage had been thoroughly disarmed at that point they were basically not allowed to have a military yeah so and the Romans just showed up and murdered everyone and salted the field. They're like, that, ah. and that was the Third Punic War. It was just a straight-up slaughter. Sorry, go on. Yeah, well, the Carthage, uh, the, the, the famous um, 
you know, sac- ch- child sacrifice to um, Moloch is was real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, estimates that, it, you know, at one point that like at one at the height of the frenzy of the baby killing, it was like essentially all of their children, like 20,000 or something that were remaining were, you know, killed or burned alive in this giant like brazier in the middle of the city yeah. with the statue of Moloch to it. Right now. Is that to say, okay, so the, the, the Carthaginians were these, um, you know, were like Platonic evil and the Platonic good was the Romans. No, right? So the Romans were all, the Romans also had like, you know, reasons, uh, you know, selfish reasons for wanting, you know, more money and more trade and more slaves and everything. So the point is not that the Romans were like these quote unquote good guys, although they were. Um, <laughs> Rome did nothing the point wrong. is just like there there is something yeah. qualitatively different about like, stacks of human skulls that you like yeah. you like ritually just murder over and over and over again versus like you know the the vicissitudes of like war between various tribes who are I, fighting i'm not over super up on aztec women. thing but my understanding is particularly with the aztecs i'm not sure about the others but those are the ones with the to- literal towers of skulls is it basically like held the universe together and they, they thought that if they stopped, the sun would stop rising. Like, right, if we don't yeah. kill you tonight, yeah, the sun the was sun's gonna... not going to rise in the morning. What, so what's interesting about that, that too is, is is in an Indian context, like, um, so there's this like in the, going all the way back to like the Vedas, which is, which is kind of the origin point of Indian culture, whatever you know, whether you're Hindu or not. Um, what's interesting is so the Vedas are are pretty explicit. Like, there seems to be the kind of Girardian human sacrificial angle where like the there's this kind of weird cosmology something about like a golden egg i don't remember all the details but basically like the first thing you get is this kind of primordial man named prajapati and prajapati is sacrificed it's not entirely clear by whom or what but it's kind of this mythological primordial sacrifice out of which the cosmos you know he he is the cosmos the cosmos is the sacrifice the year the cosmos like the the universe this is the multiverse whatever is the sacrifice Okay, so you, you, you pretty clearly have some kind of very similar thing in a certain way going back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excuse me, uh, DK, you're yeah. breaking up a little. Oh, okay. I don't know what to... Actually, right. Aura, Aura I think it's your connection. Cause, oh, shit. Okay, never mind. Um, but no, something that's interesting about that, DK, yeah. is that there's, a, there's this sort of uh, proto-mythological idea that's in a lot of things. You know, So what I'm hearing with this mythology is that it's essentially God turning his own body into the world and yes. it sort of goes with this like you know let's all right let's just take god is everywhere is everything there is nothing else right so that how is it that i am a being within within this world having this experiences it's just i am you know each person is like a part of yes. this primordial man who has yes. been dismembered essentially yeah and that and that's the kind of like down I, via the brain or it's whatever. very prevalent i mean yeah. you've got it in kabla you've got it in norse mythology yes where the body, the bodies of the giants exactly. become the world. Exactly, but it's the, like you're the like you know you're the whole you are the totality of existence experiencing a part of itself from a and, and that's the, like the fundamentally Hindu mindset, and that's I think what like Gerard was was identifying when he was saying, well, Christianity is the fulfillment and the and the and the transcendence of that because now it's like well, actually, what we're sacrificing is God, and the universe doesn't come out of like. It's not that the universe is the as like the dead body of God or the giants or whatever that we're now experiencing. It's it God create God created it out of nothing. It's a pure act of love, and it as a, like evidence of that pure act of love 
God sacrifices himself, he allows himself to be sacrificed, humiliated, and in that sacrifice, all other, there's no need for any other sacrifice ever again. It's completely done. Now, whether or not you believe in that, it's an extremely powerful narrative. I, I submit, even as a, as a Buddhist, etc., it is the most powerful narrative. It is an essential narrative. Be that interestingly, as a, the, yeah. oh, interestingly, the the Celtic Druids, when they heard of, uh, some of them, when they heard about Christianity, understood this to be like the uh, culmination of their yeah. religion because they were sacrifice based, and now we we've, we've done the ultimate sacrifice. So now we're all now it's all done. A lot of them, yeah, right away became Christian. So and, and but to, to to draw the the the, uh, the contrast that I wanted to draw though with with the with the Aztec thing is with the what's interesting is. From the very beginning, there's a record. Okay, so we have this kind of primordial record of some kind of human sacrifice happening very early on. Like by the time the Vedas are, if you're not a Hindu, being compiled. Hindus are like, what are you talking about compiled? The Vedas are eternal. Okay, whatever. By the time the Vedas are being compiled <laughs> and and, and, uh, and sort of you know and, and systematized in a certain way, um, in terms of the actual practice. It's no longer human sacrificial. I mean, for, for 4,000 years at least, there has not been human sacrifice in India. And, and although there are some kind of like hints of records of, of, of cow sacrifice seems to have been early on, obviously that would never fly in, in modern India. And even for several more thousands of years, like there's this extreme queasiness about the idea of like basically by a couple thousand years ago in like a Hindu Vedic sacrificial kind of context in India, like basically – all you're allowed to sacrifice is grass. Like that's what soma is. Is it's a it's a you're 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 mashing up this grass or maybe a mushroom. We don't really know, but some kind of plant matter. Um, some flowers. Yeah, whatever. But it's not a sentient being. Is the crucial point, right? Is like that that has been that's no longer allowed. We we have this kind of ritual substitution that's allowed, and the essence like Vedic sac Vedic religion is sacrificial religion, but it is explicitly anti I mean, it's extremely anti-violence of any sort. You cannot murder. I mean, that's why Brahmins are, are sh sh not supposed to eat meat, right? Like a real hardcore Hindu Brahmin, you're not supposed to touch alcohol or meat. Yeah, like the Vedas, uh, the, 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 the horse sacrifice that's described in there, yeah. it would not really be acceptable under modern Hindu not standards of nonviolence at all. Not, at all. At all. not, not even just Which modern, is, like, like two, yeah. I mean, like, you know, rough well, like two thousand years. Really exactly, I was saying. Like even in the Puranas, two thousand years ago, they wouldn't have been do. That's like not may, maybe around there. Maybe you see a little bit, but but by you know fifteen hundred years ago, no. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because uh, I mean Hindus will say, of course, the religion is eternal, but it it does seem remarkable how much it changed by the time of the Puranas. And, yeah, that's I a mean, whole other. Yeah, of course. I mean, I could go down yeah. that rabbit hole, but yeah. Can I um, um, please? Can I bring it back to our to our questioner's question about demons through the internet? Great. Yes. Yes. Um, so my, I guess my short answer is yes. Um, but I agree with what Storm said, it, it, and also what Helios was saying. You know, it depends on how you conceptualize what you know. Where is the location of the demon itself or the entity itself? But if you could imagine that you're in a room with the quote-unquote physical body of a of a demonic entity, and it speaks to you, right? Maybe it's audible only in your head, or maybe there's actual sound waves that are going through the air, and you're you're the one there to yes. pick them up. And then both the, are the, possible. The message this is crucial. The, Sorry, go on. Yes, At both. But the message is in your gets into your head from the demon through the medium of your mind, or through the air itself, through the sound waves itself. Now, so there, the, you know, the, there the demon is talking to you and getting and influencing you that way, right? There's to me, there's no difference if you're using a fiber optic cable or if you're using sound waves or something like it's it can absolutely communicate through any medium. Um, 
any non-physical entity um first of all i believe that humans can do you know you guys know what i think about like in terms of the power of the human consciousness and everything i think it can be non there's such a thing as non-local um interaction um so the the internet it, you know if i don't believe necessarily that the uh demonic entities are like making themselves really small into like pulses of light moving through fiber optic cables and coming out of your computer but effectively they might as well be well doing that's that the i think because... what helios was getting at with the like metallic you know clouds of metallic matter on jupiter it's it's you know in in a sense that is i mean maybe they don't have to i mean ultimately i mean this is sort of you know my my bailiwick but like at the end of the day it's all like what you anything you hear anything you perceive is mental because what you're perceiving yes. is is a mental representation it's not actually the sound waves we don't see or hear sound waves we 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 hear like the effect that the sound waves produce in our consciousness so if you can get the the point is that whatever it is that's causing it what we hear is the is something mental so when 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 a de whatever it is that a demon is doing to cause it maybe they're actually you know their their metallic particle body is manifesting as sound waves or as fiber you know as like light you know uh, you know electrical signals or or whatever or maybe it's just they're they're causing it to appear in our minds some other way at a certain level it doesn't really matter right that's right yeah and, and what, what you should do and this is something that I've done when I've had the sleep paralysis and and it really at any time if if you're dealing with this stuff and you're in physical danger get yourself out of physical danger okay but then what you want to do against these forces is allow yourself to slip into meditation. Just, you know, completely release your ego, release all your desires and, and be, be there as being itself and they cannot touch you. Uh, there's a very distinct, I, in my opinion, tie in between technology and demons. Oh yes. Like this is something that I think is like directly linked. So saying that demons on the internet, uh, our demons on the internet. I would even go as far to say as the internet was created to serve a demonic purpose. Whoa. Because in my opinion, and this is just my personal like ideas, but that all technology is derived from the demonic realm and that they <laughs> teach people through dreams this and visions how to build. What did you call it? What was it again? Aramonic. Yeah that they teach people how to build these technologies that destroy humanity from the inside out. And it's, I think, you know, well-documented the way that the Goetia talks about how demons teach all these different types of knowledge. And they taught the, you know, they, there's Prometheus that brings down fire from heaven. There's these, uh, these guys in the Old Testament who are taught how to make metal and make instruments, and this is, they're taught by the by the watchers by the you know, right. Guys. Yeah, they're they're taught by the angels how to do this, and um, I have these are like the subjects of threads that I've done on Twitter. So I've like laid down this stuff, but they they know, they they know what they're doing. Like I invite you to take a look at the Apple logo, the Mac logo. Right. Yeah. No. And it, it's all it's all tongue in cheek in a certain extent. But uh -huh, like, very funny, right? Yeah. Such they a funny, they such a advance funny humanity along this technological timeline where we, you know, are continually making more and more technology that draws us further and further and further away from our inner selves, and it just distracts us and it keeps us entertained, keeps our minds occupied on stupid shit, 
and it's insidious and they do it and i think they've done it before other places and it's just followed here and it we're we're following this cycle where we end up going to another planet and starting all over again and just doing it again and again and again forever and we just come back and keep going around the circle starting off you know as primitive societies with little to no technology like the most technology you've got is like you know a hammer and a stick and then going to the point to the apex where you know you've got a huge interconnected web where everyone can talk to each other and communicate and then fly in space and everything and then you know some catastrophe happens you move to another planet because you've destroyed the other one you used to live on and you revert back to that primordial stage where you don't have any technology and you just do it again and those demons just run them through it and they harvest off that energy and and the death that comes out of the technological cycle so what do we know about technology what kind of effects does it have right technology breaks down social norms inherently breaks down social norms um it gives people mental illness uh any technology you use to make anything easier you develop a weakness around that um it bra- it breaks down social norms sexual norms i mean the the more technically technologically advanced we are the more unchained from nature and biology we are and the more that opens up room for uh, uh gene editing um artificial humans uh all this gender craziness gender acceleration i, I don't uh, know how true this is but um i have heard i mean i, I don't know i don't even know how to begin just something i heard right let's say that way that um at roughly the same time that um chemistry was starting to emerge in the west which historically happened as a result of um alchemy like i mean the words are even related like alchemy chemistry right uh it's just sort of like alchemy yeah, became it's, it's chemet yeah uh in tibet there were like basically alchemy was heading down a similar kind of route and and basically the, you know there was the people that were engaged in it at the time um this kind of buddhist alchemy were like essentially advised by their teachers like nah but that's not going to lead to anything you want better not do that I'm not doing that it doesn't it doesn't i mean look at i mean just look at the stuff kaczynski says about the what are the inherent qualities of of technology when a society becomes technological and we can see this play out we can see it play out it it's the universal solvent of social norms and and this is inherently satanic because it it breaks down the natural order it's it's think of technology and it comes from the demons the wise beings that know all this like in 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 the old testament right in the garden of eden the the tree of knowledge of good and evil right that's that is the pivotal part of that myth it's that they eat the tree of knowledge and it's something about this this, this esoteric knowledge of outside like you know lucifer is at the tree and he's like here come come eat and you'll be as gods and you'll know the stuff that the gods know yeah you'll know this knowledge knowledge. that's absolutely right i think that yeah please go on that it's the same thing with prometheus that that meet the myth of prometheus is tied to the same myth of the the garden of eden where prometheus brings down the fire from heaven if you haven't listened and that uh, is the fire represents the gnosis and the knowledge of the the i say divine or i would even call it demonic it's kind of like the same sides of that that coin it's this knowledge that humans might not narrowly they're not supposed to have it and that's why prometheus is punished and that's why lucifer is punished they're like why the fuck did you give them that shit and now they're going to destroy themselves 
and then we just continually do it. We just destroy ourselves. If you haven't listened, uh, we we had a podcast episode on on Westward, my my other podcast, um, where we you know reading classical blah 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 of the Western um, tradition, and we had an episode. I think it's like thirteen or so on um, number thirteen or so on uh, Prometheus. It was a, it was a, it was a, a two kind of part. One on um, Prometheus Bound, the play, uh, the Greek tragedy, and then Prometheus Unbound by Percy Percy Shelley. And the Prometheus Unbound, um, if if you haven't listened to that, I really highly recommend it. I sort of lay out a lot of the stuff that I was, you know, in a more schematic way that I was talking about here, but it's very explicit. Like this is what I was getting at with the Hollywood thing and the, and why I brought up the romantics, like because Percy Shelley in addition to being just a shitbag of epic proportions, was one of the most foundational figures. I mean, this is this is a guy, first of all, his 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 wife was the daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft, like the kind of, you know, the, 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 the just a, the proto-English feminist. She's the one who's sort of like the intellectual heart of like the, what would eventually, eventually manifest as the abortion rights movement and the, the 19th Amendment bullshit and all of this kind of stuff in a very direct way goes back to Percy Shelley's mother-in-law, and, and to Percy Shelley himself and this Promet and he explicitly he basically like his, the Prometheus Unbound which you know should you, you should always be reading enemy media should be aware of what they think and why um, Prometheus Unbound is basically just a long screed against he sort of sets up Jupiter as the Christian god and glorifies what he calls the Demogorgon which is basically a corruption of the Demiurge um as like who is the satan corruption of the demiurge <laughs> well a corrupt, like a linguistic corruption like in other words oh, okay. they didn't know the word they, they they sort of at some point in the middle ages there was like the word demiorgos became demogorgon okay whatever so when a manuscript it's kind of like how abraxas became abracadabra i didn't know that that's fascinating uh yeah exactly very much like that um but anyway so so this demiurge who is satan very i mean he's like black and he lives in hell I mean, black, like, you know, like, not black, like, like, kind of, not like, like a black person, but like, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's like a, this kind of nightmare figure, but he's the good guy because he drags the down. Yeah. In this, in, mm. in Prometheus Unbound and he drags down Jupiter slash God to like to hell to like elevate Prometheus slash Lucifer as this ideal. And it's incredibly, I mean, it's just, I was reading, like, this is, this is just but this the this is the guy this is the guy that like this is the intellectual quote unquote intellectual tradition that there's a direct line from him through this like you know Keats and these guys into Hollywood into the minds of all the NPCs walking around today direct line interesting you know what's interesting about this whole question of technology is while it's easy to say maybe that it's intrinsically bad in of itself i can't help but wonder were the effects really only going to be manifested as a result of the particular intellectual ideas that took over the West and the um, since the end of the Middle Ages? And I'm I maybe mean, I'm thinking really specifically of how Rene Descartes apparently came up with his entire philosophy on the basis of this dream he had, where the spirit supposedly came to deliver it to yeah. him. Yes, 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 yes. That's that's very important. And uh, I'd like to also bring up that the person that created Google created Google because of a dream that he had. That is the the link between dreams, demons, technology. It's all well, yeah, very that, very that important. part I was not aware of. But the but the dream thing I think it gets back to something Aura was saying too. It's like it's because we're not we're no we're not 
fixated grasping at our materiality so much because all of the, that layer of protection from influences because yeah i think you're right it's hard for demons to manifest themselves physically it's a lot easier to approach on the astral to use the, that technology, kind of technology in my opinion is the end goal of the technology is to build a body for the demon mm. it it uh surveillance it state. the body it, the surveillance it makes it's it. kind of like an all-seeing eye isn't it oh yeah for sure Though I can't help but wonder, is the entire, I mean, is the negative effect of technology really only something that's itself derived from the fact that we also have this kind of consumer capitalist post-enlightenment society that is, has all of these, these um, that has these particular fixations on things like no value beyond quantity and no real hierarchy besides Yeah, but money. Who's, who's selling you that? Like, how, how did that come, where did this capital, this, like, the, that well, kind had, of capital thing come from. They right? had to destroy the traditional Ooh. social fabric of, uh, of Western. Who came up with the idea of like building an economy around interest? That stuff. Mm. That, uh, <laughs> that, well, actually, really, it was it was something that was pretty strictly forbidden among in Western countries That's until correct. the first one is John Calvin, who justifies it on the basis of well, you know, time value of money yeah, yeah, and yeah. money can have some. As I and said, you can it's actually... not reducible to our Levantine friends. But, no, yeah, but here's on. here's what here's what happens, right? You have you get you start getting the technology, and the technology it is that ideology. It is the manifestation of that ideology that you're talking about. Because I mean, you're thinking of a situation where we have this high technology, but we don't have the consequences that that always go with it, mm -hmm. where things are leveled, they become nihilistic. Quantity is the is the rule of all things. It, it the technology itself. Is so um, is it, it erases these social and biological norms by its mere existence, and so it makes its own ide ideology. That kind of nihilistic, uh, capitalistic, um, no nothingness, empty ideology it is the same as technology. They're in a feedback loop. I mean, you start getting the technology. Yeah. The technology creates a, a social, you know, material social situation that brings this ideology. More of this ideology brings more technology, and so on. Darn and that's why. When I talk about things, uh, when I talk about technology, I call it techno-capital because it, it, it's really the same thing. And there is no capitalism without tech and tech without capital. They're, they're the same thing. And actually, that's a really interesting point you're raising because if you think about a lot of these, of these ideological developments could not have happened but for specific technologies coming into existence. Like, I right. mean, the, the spread of Protestantism really depended on the existence of the printing press making books cheaper for people. I have, I have an upcoming essay sort of uh, related to this on, on the – relationship between protestantism and um paganism and the d what, what charles taylor calls the disenchantment which i think like it's this dis, it's this disenchantment through te technology is disenchantment right the more we rely on technology yes, yes. The more we the less we're open to the enchanted and the problem is the enchanted world is there whether we sort of think of it that way or not so when we disenchant Absolutely. through protestantism through technology that's the like disarming of the gun that allows us to be opened to negative spiritual influences but helios you you wanted to say something well i actually wanted to say i dm'd you the link to all of my oh, okay fantastic all right i'll put that i'll make sure to put that shows. within the show notes Thanks and so you much. you should go ahead and just read it it won't take you too long oh, okay yeah um, over exhaustive but um that 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 what you're talking about protestantism printing press i mean i would say that you know moving away from oral tradition it's stealth is a mistake. <laughs> so there's a book. Um, there's a guy named Bruce G. Charlton. 
um, who's a very interesting guy. He used to be the um, editor of a well-respected medical journal called Medical Hypotheses, and he was kicked out of there essentially for not being a materialist. Um, and he has a, a his little blog, and he's written a few um, books. And one of the books that he wrote um, is called "Addicted to Distraction," and it takes this idea oh, that, that guy. Yeah, I know the book. About. I didn't know his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, this idea that Helios was talking about, and that Kagyu. Uh, was talking about uh, that the the technology it's well all of you guys are talking about that the technology becomes an end unto itself and he the book addicted to distraction is not about technology in general but about what charlton calls mass media and uh, he's an older guy and so he uses that term which is probably a little outdated but by that he just means the entire machine of like exchange exchange of information so tv um internet movies that kind of thing um the news in general and he points out very methodically and in very clear ways that that there is no point to any of it except itself the that that's why it's so easy to 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 lie on there why it's ba me, basically um, all here. lies because that's why a story can change you know the narrative of something can just ch change on a dime you know yesterday up was down and now down is up or whatever um and uh, it's really, I really recommend it. We can put a link in the show notes. Charlton himself is a bit of an odd bird. I, I, I'm awfully fond of him. I've actually uh, uh, um, corresponded with him a little bit. Um, so I, I don't want to say I'm endorsing everything that Bruce Charlton says. Um, he has some odd takes on some things. But this book, Addicted to Distraction, it really summarizes what we're talking about. That, And he, and he will openly say, like, you know, this is like a demonic uh, – type of thing this sort of mass media um the way that it just pulls the human mind in and then doesn't want to let it go it i just think wants i think helios is right though out. i think that like i mean it made me think of hellraiser which is maybe the point but it's like yeah this is this, trying to construct a body for the demon right i mean that's mm, ultimately yes. like a distributed Absolutely. distributed cognition with the neural net i mean all, all that's ai ai is building the body for the demon that like that's that if it's not what they're intending it's what the technology intends and it's <laughs> the demonic intent behind the technology that i would say is is present there even without our knowledge it's present and it it's furthering its own ends so let me ask you guys a question um so what is it about reactionary, right-wing, traditional, et cetera type views that give them their strength? And it's that there is a natural order. Things are a certain way. Um, the natural order is, is pro-family. It is heteronormative. Um, it's, it's sane in terms of resources and resource use. So, so the, the thing that makes the right have its power is that it plays into the strengths of what you could call nature and how reality actually is, you know? So let me give you an example, right? Something like sexually transmitted diseases in a way are good because they are a naturally occurring punishment for what is a, a objectively bad, risky behavior uh, that shouldn't be done. The, the, the punishment for those for your sexual immorality is built into the naturally occurring consequences for sexual immorality. So once you have a way to eliminate those consequences with like medicine, um, prophylactics, et cetera, stuff like that, uh, curing these diseases or, or removing them. What you're doing is you're you're upsetting the natural order, right? Even more, well, you're deferring and, and, those. The consequences will be felt one way or another. You're just deferring, right? The, you know, you're like, right. I'll pay. Uh, give me an IOU. 
yeah, the the, it, the impending catabol- catabolic process, catabolic collapse process is is sort of where all the bills come due. Yeah. But th- it's this, it's technology insulates you from well, the, it's, the it's naturally like, occurring punishments, and that's why it's so effacive and it's it's inherently demonic because it it's it gets in between you and the natural order to the point where some people have will deny there's a natural order at all. I mean, the founding, the, the subconscious founding thought of leftism is nothing is a certain way. It's all up in the air. Anything can be anything. It, it uh, I think that it's like taking out a loan and then forcing, you know, your children to pay for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't end up like paying boomers. it back. It, <laughs> They're all boomers. It's just a boomer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're, we're running. I, this has been fantastic. But, and I, sorry, was there something you wanted to say, Kagu? I think that it's that actually was one of the interesting points Moldbug did raise is that technology has kind of insulated the fact that we've had a substantial decline in the quality of government over the past Mm. couple of centuries. But it really then does beg the question as well, is that is is the problem here what that technology caused the collapse? Or is it that if we were to get rid of these social changes and to move back towards some kind of older, more reactionary system of social organization? Would that actually fix many of the problems that the technology is bringing in the first place? Well, there's your answer. There's your- <laughs> I agree. I agree. We have children. Um, That's a yep. So, okay. So I I don't want to I don't want to bore I don't I want to try to keep things somewhat um, I don't know if tight is the right word but but I don't want to go on and on. I mean I could go on for hours and and oh, yeah. you know yeah. some of you could but I, I I got other stuff. But I did want to I did want to close if we could with um if any of y'all have practical suggestions along the lines of uh, what Eric said and and um some something that I mean I have I'll close maybe with my thoughts but I wanted you all to go uh first if you have I will. Anything. Yeah, I'll go. I, I would say take uh, my name is Aura. You know, I go by Aura Taxonomist, Aura Completist. This this thing. I, I would say take care of your your aura, and the way to do that is to get out in the sun, to use your body, um, to be with other human beings in a loving way. Um, and you can use some of these other things that we talked about at the very beginning, like amulets, prayers, invoking the name of your deity, that kind of thing to protect yourself. But even when you're not actively using that uh, those kinds of devices, you can just by being a healthy person in general, um, you you are doing a huge amount of the work that it takes um, to protect yourself from this kind of thing. And then you can add on top of that some of the sort of religious um, devotions and, and things. So that's my piece. Be careful around technology. Uh, don't let it rule your life. Like, put your phone down and, like, go do some shit that isn't involved with the phone like leave it try leaving it at your house and not using it for an entire day and see how it makes you feel i will say um get yourself in a zest you like crystal and wear it as a pendant <laughs> and and i'm serious no i'm, I'm serious. sorry i just love it i i'm sorry i didn't mean that wasn't a derisive laugh that was uh i love it yes okay good what, um, what can you where can we acquire this and what is the what it, like what are we going to look for when we acquire it so you just want to – I would go on Etsy and get a some type of a Zestulite pendant. But what this essentially is is it's it's a rock that has a certain energetic properties the same way that your body has certain energetic properties. And uh, it will just – it will help you. Um, if you ground yourself and, and meditate with it, you'll start to get the feel for how it very subtly affects uh, your the way you feel. And it's just a good general ward 
for this bad shit. It, it will help. It certainly helped me, and I thought I kind of thought it was BS uh, before I tried it when I was having sleep paralysis, but it, it stopped literally that night, dead in its tracks. Um, so I would suggest you do that, or you could wear a cross, or you could wear you know a pendant with a bodhisattva or your your rosary, but something like that, a ritual object um, that you use your intention to to imbue with protective properties, right? And I would also say, um, do your meditation, do your prayer, uh, be with your family and be nice and don't be afraid. Don't let the fucking nihilism irony, oh, I don't want to be cringe. Don't let that stop you from being a loving, sweet, uh, beautiful human being. Um, yeah, and I, what I, all I want to say is, the, I mean, the last thing I want to say is, um, don't forget the nature it's become i mean it, it's maybe we're in a spiritual struggle this is fundamentally a spiritual struggle the 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 it, it's it's uh, there was I had an interesting interaction with matt parrot the other day which i don't know how people feel about him, whatever i like matt i think he's a great guy um you know he, he he was somebody in response to basically someone saying you know about you know fbi and feds and blah 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 and i was like you know because he said uh what did he say he said i fail to fully manifest my ideals every day i consume garbage with my mouth eyes and ears i allow fear sloth and gluttony to corrupt my death to the world and weaponization weaponization of self and i said you know i i've been paying pretty close attention but somehow i missed the part where white nationalism and matt i think identifies it's not a, as a white nationalist he says became indistinguishable from the drive for enlightenment or sanctification oriented perfection now i know people have different feelings about different stuff and people occupy different spaces in the political thing but i think to me um what what unites all of us or at least you know pretty much everyone on the dissident right as i see it is is a well, I am I am on this because I'm on the side of truth and rightness and good. I did not I did not sign up for anything really beyond that ultimately, and and so that to me is like what what is the best protection against this kind of stuff? What is the best thing is our own personal sanctification, our you know achieving union with God, achieving enlightenment. That is the ultimate protection. There is no better protection than that. And so the the better people that we become, the more wise and compassionate that we become. Um, the more that that kind of stuff will take care of itself, and the more we'll be able to help when other people are afflicted. That that's, I think, the piece that I have to say. Amen. And, and what I would say is, uh, just if you are a skeptical kind of person and you're you've listened to this this whole thing and just wondered, well, I mean, I'm look just to the behavior of the elites running this society. Look at how they're involved in things like Scottish Rite Freemasonry or Bohemian Grove. You might not believe in this stuff. But they do, and they make it a centerpiece of a lot of their, of, of their social life. And you have to ask yourself, are you believing what they want you to believe, and what's their agenda in getting you to believe that? And, and that's lot, all I yeah, have to say. If you're... Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of research. We can maybe pick that up, thread up another time. But uh, Helios, thank you so much for coming on. And, and if you want to come on again um, anytime, just let us know, and, and uh, we'll work that out. This has been great. Thank you, Helios. Thank you. All right, this has been uh, Right Wing Dharma Squad, and we will catch you next week. Take care, everyone.